0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 238. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 1 Samuel with chapter 18. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As you may recall, in the first 17 chapters in 1 Samuel, we've been dealing with first the prophet Samuel, then King Saul, and then Saul loses favor with God. And so David is appointed or anointed king, and yet he's still a boy. So he's not king yet. Saul is still king. And that may not go so well as we start to see in this chapter, because Saul has been told he is no longer going to be king, but he hasn't been told who's going to take over for him. In the last chapter, chapter, David slew Goliath, and so you would think that things are going very well for him at this point because he's certainly going to become a local hero, and that's going to be the start of trouble. Saul's growing fear of David, 1 Samuel 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. So the problem that Saul starts to have here is that David's popularity is on the rise. And it's not that Saul is, at this point, unpopular. The people are singing the praise of Saul. They even gave him top billing, but they said David was more successful as a warrior. And David has been more successful as a warrior. I mean, this is true, but remember the position that Saul finds himself in is he's been told you can be replaced. And so he starts to look behind every shadow to see who is going to replace him, and his eye now falls on David. What more can he get but the kingdom? And this is the person who was promised the daughter of Saul in marriage, if someone would slay Goliath, that was what they were going to get. And now Saul becomes jealous. But Jonathan has a very different reaction. Jonathan is an interesting person as we study him in 1 Samuel and a very wonderful person. Samuel has told Saul that God is going to appoint another king, and so Jonathan is not going to become king. But yet you get the impression Jonathan would actually have made a wonderful king because Jonathan's heart is true to God. Jonathan has wonderful faith in God, as we saw in the previous three chapters ago, when Jonathan went out and said, if God intends for us to be victorious, we'll be victorious. And it doesn't matter that it's just you and me to his shield bearer. But also here when David is getting popular. When David has success, Jonathan embraces him just full-on, this is my new brother. They form a friendship that we'll see continue until the time of Jonathan's death. There isn't, I think, a negative word said about Jonathan in the whole book of 1 Samuel. There are negative words about Saul, and there will be negative words about David. But Jonathan has this wonderful character about him that it's not about Jonathan. He doesn't care that David is getting more praise. He doesn't care that David is having more success. And why should he? Because the people of God are having success. And Jonathan apparently sees it that way. He doesn't care that it's not him. It doesn't care that it's not his father. But Saul does. Continuing on in verse 10, the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. The oddest part about this story for me is not that Saul threw a spear at David because we understand that there are going to be trouble here, that there can't be two kings in a kingdom. And even though Saul doesn't know that David is the other one anointed king, he's going to figure it out. He's going to figure out that David is not necessarily after his kingdom, but that David is going to get his kingdom. So it's not too surprising that Saul throws a spear at him, but it's surprising that David gives him a chance to do it twice. Uh, Why does David keep playing the liar? Why does David run further? But basically, Saul has this very strange reaction to this new hero here who's just sitting here playing the liar Is he's trying to kill him or he's trying to pin him to the wall. We're not quite sure what Saul's trying to do, but it's generally considered rude to throw a spear at someone in your house, in their house. It doesn't really matter. But Saul was afraid of David That's what it says here. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. And everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter, Merib. I will give her to you in marriage Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him, let the Philistines do that. And so, one of the reasons apparently that Saul sends David out on these campaigns is that campaigns are a dangerous place, and Saul seems to have this hidden agenda that maybe if he sends David away, David won't come back. Now, granted, he's saying this to a person who he's just offered his daughter in marriage to. So that's rather strange. And continuing on from verse 20. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, was in love with David. And when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. I will give her to him, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him, and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So Saul said to David, Now you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law. Then Saul ordered his attendants, Speak to David privately and say, Look, the king likes you, and his attendants all love you. Now become his son-in-law. I'm going to say that among the reasons to marry your daughter to someone, among the good reasons, is not to ensnare them so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. That This is not good motivation on Saul's part. He is basically hoping that David will fall in love with his daughter, marry him, and then somehow be distracted when he's in the next battle with the Philistines and die. Uh, so this is gone to a level here that is... Not just paranoid, but actively plotting against David and lying to him. Look, the king really likes you. Look, you know, shouldn't you become his son in law? He's so fond of you. Of course, he's thrown the spear at you twice and he's trying to get you killed, but other than that, he's so fond of you. They repeated these words to David, but David said, Do you think it is a small matter to become the king's son in law? I am a poor man and little known. When Saul's servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, Say to David, the king wants no price for the bride, then a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hand of the Philistines. When the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So before the allotted time elapsed, David took his men with him and went out and killed 200 Philistines and brought back their foreskins. They counted out the full number to the king so that David might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave his daughter, Michael, in marriage. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter, Michael, loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him, and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. The Philistine commanders continued to go out in battle, and as often as they did, David met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers, and his name became well known. So, first of all, this is a gross story because Saul not only wants to have David killed, but he wants to get David killed by giving him a task that is too difficult, this going out and killing 100 Philistines. Well, David goes out and kills 200 Philistines. But does he have to say, bring back their foreskins? But that's what he gives to David. And he gives that to David again as a test. He gives that to David as a difficult task that he's hoping that David will fail in and die. But he doesn't fail. In fact, he is twice as successful as Saul was asking. And again, Saul could have looked at this with David is now my son in law, and so my line will carry on, if not through Jonathan, through David. But Saul is not thinking clearly. Saul is not thinking of necessarily what's best for the nation. Saul is thinking about Saul. And when we think about ourselves, we are liable to fall into the trap that Saul does. And Saul just gets more and more jealous and more and more afraid of David. David, who doesn't even think he is worth becoming the son-in-law of the king. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to leave a comment on this episode at com or to send me an email to host at com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher, John Driver, and comedian, Johnny W., for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com.